0: of the Ag State of Mind Podcast. I'm a member of the Global Ag Network. I'm your host, Jason Meadows, and today on the show we have Susan Springer. Susan is works in Wisconsin, in Iowa County, Wisconsin, and she's doing some wonderful work trying to Prevent suicide among the rural population in her area and uh, is doing a really outstanding do- job, doing some really cool things, getting um, people involved in the community, trying to spread awareness through a bunch of different events, um, really, really doing cool things. And she, um, you know, she gives out t shirts to the public. She is actually kind enough to send those t shirts to me and my family. Um, we are very appreciative of that, Susan, and so glad that you. We mean enough to you for you to do that for us. Um, I just want to give everyone a heads up. There is a little bit of audio issues in this, um, not much, uh, but you'll notice whenever Susan and I start talking at the same time. There's some, uh, there's a little bit of um, kind of uh, just weird sound. I'm not sure how to explain it um, because I'm not even sure what the right term for it is. But uh, um, but just so you're aware of that that uh, going forward. So uh, it was we tried our best to get it all. out out of there, but uh, um, it just didn't work out. So um, before we get started, uh, before every show, I like to encourage everyone to go on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and leave us a review. Um, we really like to hear those reviews and hopefully um, they will help us get out in front of a bigger audience. So uh, please go and give us your feedback on, on wherever you get your podcast. And uh, without any further ado, here is my conversation with Susan Springer. Hello, Susan. Thanks for coming on the show today. How are you?
1: Hi, Jason. Yeah, doing great. Thanks for having me.
0: How are things up in Wisconsin? Cold, <laughs> but good. Cold, get, but good. Are you getting a lot of snow?
1: We do have snow. We do. We we had a brown Christmas, no snow for Christmas, but we're paying for it now. This last <laughs> week or two, we've gotten quite a bit. So <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah,
0: I don't know. I I'm sure you probably know Jeff Ditsenberger.
1: Yes,
0: I do. I talked to him last week, actually, and I've been, I been—I follow him on Facebook, and he pretty, pretty much every morning, he's talking about having to move snow, so uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't envy you guys up there. Yeah, and it's heavy and wet. It's yeah. a wet snow, so right. it's heavy. So yeah. t- tell me a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background, and then we'll get into a little bit of what you're doing for the community, the, the mental health community up there.
1: Sure. Well, I was born and raised and still live in Mineral Point, Wisconsin. It's kind of the southwest corner of Wisconsin. We're only about an hour away from Dubuque, Iowa, on a beef farm. My dad was a beef farmer, and my brother was a plumber slash kind of part-time beef farmer, and I lost my brother to suicide in January, actually January 29th of 2012. and. Um, We grew up on a farm, and we did the FFA and the 4-H, and we did high school rodeo, and showed cattle, and did the whole nine yards, and then after we graduated from high school, Donald stayed in the area, and I went off to college, and got my bachelor's degree and master's, and then came back to the area and married a dairy farmer, but after Donald passed away, I was frustrated more than anything I think because we're in a rural area obviously in southwest Wisconsin there's not a lot of resources and my mom found my brother but he was also he was 41 years old so he had three children he had a set of twins that were 10 and he had a 15 year old and then I have two sisters and myself so there's three of us girls and my mom and dad all still left behind and we all had family so donald was an uncle you know a brother a son a dad um and i was just looking for resources for us and my family and there really wasn't anything out there there was One group called Compassionate Friends, which was really good for my dad. Mom chose not to go to that, and Dad and I went to it. And Compassionate Friends is a group that meets once a month in Dodgeville that, well, it's nationwide, actually, for parents that have lost a child to anything. It doesn't have to be suicide. And it's a support group for the parents, which is really nice. However, there was still nothing for the siblings, his children, his nieces and nephews and things like that. So it took me a couple of years, though. Uh, I didn't start our group till 2014. I have to say I had a lot of grieving. And even when I first started, it's it was tough to even talk about Donald without, you know, getting them emotional. And even now, sometimes I still do. and um, And that's OK. But it was really tough at the beginning. And just started out trying to educate people on signs to look for where the resources are and what we can do so i became qpr certified and that's question persuade refer Mm -hmm. and when we started in our southwest corner there was only like two or three people that were even qpr certified within four counties kind of in our rural area And now, just out of Iowa County alone, we have over 9 or 10 that we have certified through our group. We've helped pay for or paid for half of the certification. So people can go out, and we talk to businesses. We talk to communities. I've been at libraries, EMT meetings, fire department meetings, schools. You name it, we'll go out and talk, and it's an hour and a half presentation, and it's about question, persuade, refer. It's kind of like three easy, quick and easy steps of what to do if you think someone's possibly suicidal, kind of like CPR for a heart attack. It mm-hmm. kind of gets people until you can get them to a professional to get them that professional help. So That's it's, kind of the basis behind QPR, and that's how we started out. So it's basically, it's, we, we've, we've talked
0: to several people on here, and it's, it's basically the same concept as mental health first, first aid.
1: Correct. Yep. But it's only an hour and a half versus eight hours.
0: Oh, okay. So, so it's even more, I guess, um, condensed, condensed (laughs) and, but you know, that's okay because because you may be able to get more people there when they hear hour and a half versus versus eight hours and is Just so I'm understanding this, is this something where you have a, like a, it's like a, like a presentation, you guys, like a town hall type, type deal
1: or, um, yeah, kind of, we've had, we, it's kind of, we do it once a month in Dodgeville. And it's just open to the public. It's free. Anybody that wants to come, you know, we have it at a set place and a set time. But I've also been invited to schools to present to the staff. I've been invited to schools to present to the staff and students. I've done um, EMT departments. I have to have so many trainings within a year. So I've presented to them. Um, I've presented to church groups like uh, Depending on you know, Catholic or Lutheran, but confirmation groups like the high school kids, mm-hmm. at the church groups, and just anybody that wants us in, we've done uh, one of the guys that we have QPR trained, and he's in our public service announcement. He's kind of our star of our public service announcement. He is a prison guard at a Supermax prison down here, and he actually does a lot with the police departments and all the guards and the security. And I have one that's trained, and she works at uw Platteville, so she does a lot with college students. I do a lot with farmers and ag. We have another one that does more in the medical setting. So we just try to hit everybody in the community so you, because yeah. it is a community problem. It's not just, you know, one Person, right. it's it's a community at large.
0: Yeah, so that's what you know. A, a lot of a lot of my previous podcasts, we have been focusing on just just the people in agriculture. But right. if you know the way you guys are doing it, you've got someone who is. Specializing in almost seems like you know you 're grabbing everybody you 're grabbing everybody's attention yeah. and, and when you have a rural community or not even a rural community, just a community in general it 's so important to be able to pull people from all walks of life to right. to be able to because you never know who needs it and what they 're going to need and you know, it's I know from past experience, it's not always easy to just mesh with someone to just talk about your problems. So, you know, you're getting more people involved and you know, that's a wonderful thing.
1: Right. And I think it's really needed because in rural communities in a lot of communities, even, you know, metropolitan communities, People don't want to reach out to a therapist right away, but they will talk to a brother, an aunt, a friend, a coworker, somebody they go for a walk with or somebody they're fixing a fence with or the vet, the, um, the milk caller. They'll talk to them before they talk to anybody else. And if we can educate those people in our communities, And educate them on, oh, what signs should I be looking for? Maybe I should start asking deeper questions. Maybe I should give them a 1 800 number. Some, you know, there's online counseling they can get because we don't have a lot of therapists right in our area that are easily and quickly accessible. We have a two to three month wait in Iowa County to get to a therapist. Well, people don't have two to three months. So I have a lot on our Facebook, our, our. well, Facebook page too, but our website with online therapy or apps you can download or the 1-800 number. And I push that pretty heavy. And I have people, I really, really encourage people strongly to put it in their phones. So, cause you know, they're going to have that phone in their back pocket, no matter if they're out having a beer or if they're going for a walk or if they're fixing the fence, they're going to have the phone in their pocket before they have a brochure or a little brochure or booklet that I hand them. That's going to get lost on the dashboard of the truck you know, two minutes after they jump in. So I encourage people in my groups to, you know, put a lot of that stuff into their phones so they have it right on them when they need it.
0: Yeah, this is, uh, that, that's great. You know, you're getting, and I'm just, I'm looking at your website here and all of these events that you guys do or I have done in the past, it's, it's, it's really, I mean, wow, you guys are really doing some work up there.
1: Um, we have a nice wide variety and we have people that'll, that aren't afraid to step up and say, "Hey Sue, why don't we try doing a suicide prevention awareness during one of our Little Britches rodeos?" Look at like, that! Yeah, all right, right, I, I, let's just, do it. I just caught my eye here
0: as I'm looking through that. That's so. Is, yeah. So when you go to these community events, so you go to like these basketball right. games or or the rodeo right. or the volleyball games, how is that? It, it, how are how are you setting up there do do you have like a booth set up and people come talk to you or do you do the full presentation at like an intermission no. or a
1: halftime? we we make it fun i make it fun and i <laughs> it's funny because I think I got my experience running the beer tent at our county fair for uh-huh. 13 years. But what we do is um, I give away free t-shirts to both teams, JV and varsity managers, coaches, everybody gets a free t-shirt. The big point of the t-shirt is on the front. It has a positive message, but it also says the word suicide prevention in some way, shape or form. Then on the back of the t shirts I don't sell marketing. I do fundraisers and I, We just pay for the shirts ourselves. On the back, there's resources. Some of the shirts, we have the phone numbers, we have apps, we have things, what to say and how to ask somebody if they need help. And that's all information people need to know instantly, you know, like right now. So I give away the free T-shirts to the kids playing, the coaches, the cheerleaders, whoever. They wear them to school that day. And then that night, they warm up in the shirts. And then after that, they just play the game normal. I do have a table out in the front area where people are paying to come in. And I have, you know, pamphlets, brochures, pens, bracelets, some little temporary tattoos, some information. Sometimes people stop. Most of the time, they don't because we are in a small area, rural area. People still have the mindset that. You're weak if you're you're having depression or if you're thinking about suicide. So sometimes people don't even want to stop at my right. booth because mm-hmm. they don't want somebody else seeing them stop there. Sure. So what we oh, do yeah. it, um, at – well, and we've done it different. Sometimes when the seniors come out for varsity, they they will throw out free T-shirts and give them to the crowd. Sometimes we do it at halftime. Sometimes we just draw a name. But then we give out eight or ten free T-shirts to the crowd, along with bracelets and pens. We have volunteers, like kids volunteer, to hand them out to everybody. And then at, you know, especially um, basketball, it's easy because you'll have a 30 second timeout, a one minute timeout, and then you have halftime. So then when they have those little timeouts, we just do little quick snippets of information. And it could be um, suicide, Things to help prevent suicide with kids going off to college, because that's also another big time focus area that ki- for the kids for suicide. We focus on rural suicide um, therapy with men. And we just kind of do quick little snippets. And that's that we don't talk for a long time. Then at halftime, they'll pass the hat collect whatever money they collect goes towards paying off the free shirts i gave out and then i just supplement the other half of what doesn't get paid for and people really really enjoy it because the feedback i've gotten is it's a really fun way to touch on a really serious hard topic
0: right and that's really key i think that's what i was going to say earlier is you're kind of introducing it gently if you will you're right, making right. it you're you're in a non-threatening environment you're at a basketball game you're at a rodeo you're in right. places right. where people are there to have fun and enjoy themselves and then you i mean it, 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 it could be done very wrong you know it could be yeah, presented yeah. in a very down manner and have a big to do about it which that's appropriate for a certain time but not then but what you not what you right. what you're doing is you're just getting awareness out there. And I really, really believe that that is half of the battle or maybe more. It's just just getting people comfortable with the, with the topic of, of mental health, with the topic of suicide, because sadly, so many people just ignore it until it's too late and don't even, you know, they, especially, I know the older generation just kind of wants to sweep that kind of stuff under the rug. And I couldn't, think of something to be more harmful
1: right and that's the way they were taught that's what they learned because um our family is the same way and i know a lot of people have the same uh, way with family stuff but the other good thing i just want to touch on quick before we go into family and kind of the thought process of awareness is then everyone that gets those free t-shirts they will wear those t-shirts out into the community. So the people that weren't at the basketball game are still going to get the positive effect by seeing the t-shirts at the grocery store when somebody's mowing the lawn, walking their dog or going to some other event. People will be wearing those t-shirts and everybody will be getting exposed to the resources, the information, and then just the thought process of, oh, they're wearing a t-shirt that says suicide prevention? Ooh, they must be okay to talk to about prevention or suicide right, or, oh, yeah. I've seen that in our community numerous times that must be coming, you know, if you will, cool or kosher to talk about suicide. Yeah, it is. Talk so, about it. We need to get it out. So, so
0: it, it's, it's very peculiar that you speak of a T-shirt because I have... I'm not sure when this will air or in what order, but uh, I talked to a friend of mine, uh, Caroline Sicht, who is it's she she has the farm story, and what her T-shirt says is "Ask me about my farm story" because people in agriculture, I feel sometimes like they feel like they are pushing themselves upon someone and. Um, when you are wearing a t-shirt that says, Hey, come ask me, or, Hey, come talk to me about it. That, that is a very non-threatening way to introduce a, introduce a topic. And I feel like that's very similar to what you guys are doing. There is, you know, you're putting on this shirt and it says suicide on, it says it flat out. There's no, um, you know, there's no sugar coat of what, of what it says. It says no questioning
1: what it's about. If it it says hope, you know, then it could be anything.
0: Right. You know? Yeah. There's no, right. um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, oh goodness.
1: <laughs> uh, I say beating around the bush. Or just, yeah, I um, the word I'm
0: looking for is, uh, uh, yeah. Cryptic.
1: There's no, cryptic.
0: There's, there's no, cryptic, you know, there's no like cryptic code or anything about what, what those shirts say, you know, they come out right. and they say suicide and man, that's really powerful in a community.
1: So yeah, and it's we've really had really positive, upbeat happy responses. I mean people really like it. So we're gonna keep doing it.
0: So as your do you see and you know you you've said before you work as a team and you work um you've got st- several people doing pulling people from different parts of the community with you working with with the rural community and working with with the ag community do you feel like your job is is harder easier or about the same as some as maybe some another member of your team
1: uh i'd say about the same honestly because really I would say, honestly, in a rural area, I mean, we all grew up, if you're a farmer or if you own the implement store or the grocery store, or if you're a plumber, your money is all coming from ag, no matter where, Mm -hmm. because that's where the money's coming from. So, and we all grew up with the mentality that was taught to us by our parents, which was taught to them by their parents. You don't talk about it. You suck it up. You work harder. You get through it. You don't take time for yourself, you for sure don't take a vacation and take Mm -hmm. time off. You just work harder. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's the mentality, at least in southwest Wisconsin Wisconsin, but I would have to guess pretty general. (laughs) I would say I'd have to guess pretty general in any rural community. If you want to be successful, you're gonna be working hard. Mm -hmm. And if you aren't successful, it's because you're not working hard enough, right? Exactly, So it yeah. just like mm-hmm. gives you more stress, more stress, and then don't take, you know, you don't take time for themselves. Uh, you know, the only positive thing, I do have to say the positive thing about the social aspect of a rural community and the positive is we'll help each other out when we know there's something wrong. Right. If a tornado yeah. goes through, if a fire goes through we will gather together, we will get behind those families, and we will help them through it. I mean, that is one thing beyond a doubt in a rural community you will have. And I think just letting everyone know that just something as basic as a connection, like a personal connection of somebody feeling like they can actually honestly and openly talk to another person and that connection might come through a card club or if you go fishing with somebody, or like I said, if you're farming with somebody, or maybe you're just, maybe you're the, the milk truck driver and you see these guys every single day when you're picking up their milk and you have a little conversation or the vet that comes out and does herd work, you make that connection, that personal connection. So they know if something is bothering them or if they know they need to speak to somebody, they trust that you have a, close enough connection that you can that they can talk to you and and that uh, is something in our communities we do do
0: yeah and another aspect to it is is they are actually seeing these folks in their in their real environment so you say so say these guys say this say this dairy farmer goes in and sits down with the therapist you know he's maybe not going to be himself he's not going <laughs> no, to just open up you know i mean right. i'd say that's probably more often the case than not so how important is it to get these people um who are not are not healthcare professionals people who just regularly see them on their day to day and see how they're acting and see how they're you know, their body languages, even, even if they, even if they don't talk to them, they can know, they know if something's wrong and right to be able to ask the right questions and just interact with them in a, in a, in a way that is going to be helpful to them is so powerful.
1: Right. Right. And to have that connection. And what we've done too, is I'll have pens made that I have pens that have the suicide hotline and the national hotline stuff on it. And we just leave them at the feed mills, just leave them on the counter Everyone will grab a pen. The same with I have a couple of vets that are really close friends and they'll have them in their truck. They'll have them in their pocket. They can just, here, you know what? You need a pen? Maybe you might need some, might need that phone number on there. It's as easy as that. It's as easy as that. Because you're right, sitting down, talk therapy across the table from a person you know has never stepped foot on a farm Mm -hmm. is not somebody they're going to open up to. And until our insurance agencies and our medical system actually opens their eyes to alternative therapy and will pay for alternative therapy. And what I mean by alternative therapy, I mean, having a therapist ride around in the cab of the tractor when they're planting and when they're out and they, or when they're harvesting and they're in those tractors for, you know, a week on end or whatever, they've got time, they're sitting there, sit and talk to them. Cause anybody that knows the mentality of, well, Anybody with financial common sense, but I'd have to say a rural person specifically, they're not going to pay 125 to $150 for a therapist to sit down, even if that's their insurance paying that, to take time out of their day because it's going to be on the therapist's schedule. It's not going to be on the farmer's schedule to sit down and pay that kind of money and not get any work done on their farm. Right. Now, if so the insurance a- would pay the hundred twenty five hundred fifty, have the insurance pay that? Have the therapist come out right around in the tractor while The farmers can still get something done. They they would. I think that I think people would get a therapist that would do something like that. Go for a horse ride with them, an ATV ride. Go for a walk out in nature. How many people do you know are hunters, and their therapy is nature therapy? It's all sitting in the tree stand because they can just calm themselves take a couple deep breaths you know and just really kind of settle themselves
0: right yeah no meeting meeting people where they are is correct is, is a very big thing and you know you mentioned you mentioned something that kind of strikes strikes a chord with me and um you know listeners of this podcast will know I'm and you may know yourself too I, I'm a pharmacist by by training and trade right and right it's, it's very, I shouldn't say it's easy, but it's much easier for someone to go step foot in a medical doctor's office or their nurse practitioner's office and and go get a prescription for an antidepressant or um, an anti medicine. And those don't get me wrong. Those things, those things have their place. I mean, that kind of stuff. Right. They
1: work for, yeah, for some people, (laughs) that kind of stuff pays my mortgage.
0: (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. So, but, but, in, even in my pharmaceutical training, the first thing I, you know, the first step to any kind of treatment for anxiety or depression is cognitive behavioral therapy. I mean, even before you even right. think about meds, you 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 try these non pharmacologic, and. That's just almost not even possible because people don't are so afraid, not just afraid, but they're just unable to, because like you said, I mean, if they're going to have to go on, take a day off of work, which if they're not working, they're not getting paid um, right? or they're not, you know, they're, it's just something pushed back for another day. It's just a lost day of progress. Plus having to pay that money. I mean, they're out double money. And it's it, that's a very very hard hill to climb and and they're
1: not comfortable in that setting to even open up and talk right
0: yeah and it, it it's like you said i mean looking into these alternative therapies where you know there's a there's a therapist that comes and sits in the cab of the tractor or um, you know, just rides along in the truck while he's getting, you know, while he's feeding cows or whatever right. it may be, just like you said, meet where, meet them where they're at instead of right. like, pulling them out, out of their, out of their comfortable environment. And, you know, I think that's, a, I think it's a big part to, to winning this battle.
1: I think so, too. And um, I have a master's in marriage and family therapy. And I worked as an in home family therapist for court ordered clients. And I'll tell you, people are so much more, I mean, they still don't like you in there. (laughs) Not Not that they're really happy that you're there. But they're so much more relaxed and so much easier to talk to and open up when they're in their own home, they're in their comfort zone, they feel safe. Versus coming into the office, sitting down in a sterile office on the other side of a table and staring at you face to face. That's the other thing is uh, having to stare at somebody or look at them in the face. If you sat in the cab of the tractor, well, the farmer can be watching his, he's got to watch where he's going, right? right he's got to right. watch his crops in his field where he's going. That's also less intimidating. You you don't have to have that eye contact. That's another nice thing about talking to somebody while they're working, while they're milking, while they're driving the truck, while they're delivering that bowl down the road or whatever. They're doing their job. They can still hear you. They're still processing what you're saying. They can still have a conversation. But you don't have to have that you know, eye-to-eye stare-down uncomfortableness of sit-down therapy. But unfortunately, like I said, our insurance companies yet have not recognized that as a feasible option to pay for for therapy, unfortunately. So that has not come true. But I hope they will someday. I hope they do. Yeah,
0: no, and I think they will. And I think, I mean, I think they have to because uh, there's going to... You know we're going to turn the temperature up enough that somebody's going to to pay attention and there's this analogy where um i i I kind of liken it to anything that that to get that gets going so in a in a bowl of ice it stays frozen whether it's it from 20 degrees or 31 degrees, you know, there may right. be a lot of change going on from third from 20 degrees to 31 degrees, but you don't see any physical evidence, but you don't know how close you are to that to just that one degree to make everything just melt and that's i think we just i think i think that's where we're at now we're at that where it's still frozen but we just we need to keep piling on piling on progress right yeah because we really you know even though we may not actually see the fruits of the labor yet we never know how much how much little more it's going to take to get things to the to the level we want them to be so
1: Right. And I'd have to say, too, in just the five, six years I've had my group going and we've done all this awareness building and educating and just kind of being out there in the community and being out there, just being out there talking and kind of in people's faces and in their business there, helping them out. Um, We've seen a lot of change and we've had a lot of really positive feedback of, you know what, I use that information just the other day, or boy, we had somebody in a QPR training leave the QPR training because they had to use the information at that time. They got a phone call and um, they had to use a 1 800 number and talk somebody through some stuff. So I think. It's really helping. And the more we beat on the doors and talk about it, the better it'll get. And I think the more awareness people are, they'll also understand more. I think people get really skitsy when you talk about mental health and mental illness. But I think it's also coming out a lot more just brain health, like environmental Mm, mm. causes that can cause side effects of depression, which can lead into suicide, like just exposure to mold, exposure to the chemicals, the fertilizers, the pesticides you know, head injuries that we don't even think about that we might not even have lost consciousness with, I ju- with I, different head injuries. Yeah. I don't
0: think we really fully know the scope of this and we may continue not to know for, for a while now, but like you said, there's so many factors that go into this, that we just, like you said, we, it might be environmental. It may be, um, like you say, there may be a head injury that nobody knows about. I mean, there's so many layers to this that, and, and, and I've said this before, we have to treat health holistically. We have to treat mental, right. physical, all that, all of the things that we separate in health. It's all one and together. I mean, there's just. I agree, I, and I think that might be the 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 maybe if we win someday. I don't know if you you can ever say that, but you know when <laughs> yeah. when there is no more mental health, there's no more physical health. There's just health. It's all in. It's an all encompassing right. term because that's the way it really should be. That's the way. It, that's the way it is.
1: Oh, I agree, and when people all accept it as my mental health, if you say is as important as my physical health, which is as important as my well-being or spiritual health, is all the same importance. Because if somebody has a broken arm, they're going to run to an ER and get help. Right. If somebody's suffering from depression to the point of being on a suicidal brink, they're still afraid of the stigma that's going to be attached to them if they say anything. So they mm-hmm. don't go get help. Right. Nope. And, and that's, that's what we're really trying to break down that stigma. And when my brother passed away, I think that was part of it too, that I think it could have been a couple of things. One, the stigmas are there. So he didn't say as much mm-hmm. and he didn't look for help or ask for help. But then I also feel he might've underlinely asked for help, but we didn't know what he was talking about. Cause it wasn't clear. Like I need help like a broken arm. I have a broken arm. I have severe pain, you know, it's shooting up to my shoulder. It was more like, Oh man, living the dream isn't the dream anymore. You know, stuff like that where it's a little Mm -hmm. bit more vague and we didn't know what to jump on to get him help. So if we can just break down those stigmas and educate our communities as a whole, what to look for, I think it's a win win situation really. Because like I said, there's so many environmental issues and mm-hmm. you know, head trauma issues. Lyme's disease is another one that they say if you overlay areas in the country of where Lyme disease is higher, obviously the wooded tall grass Midwest. Right. Mm-hmm. And you overlay where schizophrenia and has been diagnosed, it's the exact same. Really? So they're yeah, so they're saying that uh a side effect or some misdiagnosis of, you know, it could just be something like Lyme disease where you can get a blood test and then take some medication and
0: have help. Yeah. Well, I know this, I mean, just to to speak about Lyme and tick-borne diseases um, specifically, I mean, I know we've seen a great uptick of that. Um I I did personally here locally. Um I saw, you know, a lot more people coming in and, and and being diagnosed with that sort of stuff. So I mean, yeah, that's a that's a very uh psychosis is 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 a side effect or a um or 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 a manifestation of other symptoms. You know, oh yeah. And I don't think people really even realize that. And I'm glad you may I'm glad you brought that up because yeah, that's a that's, you know, it may not even be um, something, it may be a temporary thing. We just... It you know, might, right? Yeah, so, no, you, you, you bring up... And that's why really I brought really up the comments. head injuries mm-hmm. earlier,
1: too, because there's so many things... Growing up in a rural area, you know, you're... Well, we had horses. Some people had four-wheelers, dirt bikes, or ATVs, you know, and you never wore helmets. <laughs> mm-hmm, <right? laughs> you, no, know. you know, you get bucked off, you fall off, you climb a tree and you fall off. I've fallen down the hay mile. You know, like, things like that where you get a head injury... But it's like, eh, it's not bad enough to go to the doctor. You didn't get knocked right. out. Yeah. Or, but that doesn't mean that the brain, the actual brain, didn't actually physically have an injury in a portion of the brain that affects your moods, your emotions, your communication, your decision-making. You know, and a lot of our guys play football. We They wrestle. There's a lot of slamming around head-to-head stuff that can also cause depression, which right. can lead into suicide
0: sure oh there's just like i said there's so many layers
1: yeah so yeah there is
0: well susan i i really appreciate you coming on here and and talking to me today and i really really appreciate the work that you're doing because it's so needed it's so um lacking in these rural communities and i feel like the rest of us could really learn a lesson and take a lesson from your group because I mean, just looking at your website here and all the stuff that you've done, it's just it's amazing. So, if if you don't mind, tell people where they can find your website and some of the work, the stuff that I'm looking at here. Where where can people find? Sure,
1: you? our website is wwwsuicide dash Iowa County, all spelled out: I O W A C O U N T Y W I for Wisconsin dot org and on the front page is kind of our home page it says everything we've done i just kind of keep that up to date all the different things we've done but as you go into it more you can find like to get help i try to have a lot of online support groups and stuff that people can reach out to now it is also groups in southwest wisconsin but i do have a lot of phone apps 800 numbers for vets for There's online counseling, relationship stuff, teenager stuff, uh, depression, because like I said, we don't have a lot of resources immediately in our area. So there's so much online that we can find and they can do live chats, get help. There's stuff about teaching about suicide if you work in the school and we have our public service announcement there. And I hope you post that somewhere, our public service announcement, that we did for farmers, there's a few of them, but the public service announcement for farmers, we did, those guys are all farmers, they've all been affected by suicide, even um, like the feed guy, and the, you'll see it, that um, there's no makeup, there's no costumes, and we've aired that up here on TV for the last couple we years, we've, when we fundraise enough that we can get enough to air it. It's been, All over the world, we've been contacted by a couple different countries, but um, Japan just picked it up for their public service efforts in suicide prevention in their country, which was really interesting, too. And it's funny because, like I said, I lost my brother in 2012. I started the group in 2014. Most of my experience comes from being on our fair board (laughs) for 13 Uh years, Mm -hmm. and it's just snowballed. It's just boomed into something that I never imagined I I really started out because I was more pissed off and everything and I needed resources for my family and this is really just snowballed into so many people jumping on board with educating and breaking down stigmas and getting involved and I just I see really positive more positive things happening in the future with it really.
0: Yeah, no, and I I have this public service announcement up here, and we'll we'll link all this stuff in the show notes when this episode comes Great. out, and that way people will have access to it, and uh, it can, you know, um, people can go and see it and see the things that you guys are doing because it's really really remarkable, and, and it's something you get, and and I appreciate your. Um, you being fed up and and wanting to take action yourself and that's how where it stemmed from because I feel like that's probably the same place where this podcast stemmed from because I was fed up with my own of resources and wanting yeah. to do something and you know this podcast has kind of become my therapy um, just hearing other people's struggles and hearing other people um, actually doing the work is helps me to reassure that I'm doing a right and good thing so i appreciate yeah
1: yeah and you are just getting this out and letting people know they're not alone letting people know you know there are some of us really trying to help things out we just don't have the money and the resources but we do what we can with what little we have and i think that's what every community needs to know just do what you can with what little you have and it will it'll grow everybody
0: do their part everybody if if everybody does a little something man we can we can really really make a change so well again, I, I believe in that 100 percent. yep yep susan awesome i had a great time talking to you today and uh look forward to maybe talking to you again in the future it's you've that'd be um, awesome yeah you know hopefully hopefully we we do get that temperature turned up and uh you really get <laughs> things rolling and um we can really talk about the moves you're making here in the near future
1: yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, get me some insurance companies. so I can convince them what I need and we'll get rolling from there. That's my next step.
0: So. Be, that would be awesome.
1: Okay. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, thank you, Jason, for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for just building awareness. It's, that's awesome. I really appreciate it. Well, thank we're you.
0: Doing, we're doing what we can. Thank you again for coming on today. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Ag State of Mind. We hope this episode has encouraged you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at AgStateOfMind. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify so you never miss an episode. See you next week.